question and we're talking today about how to improve ED&I with recruitment. Ben is our wonderful guest today. Um, we'll get him past his nervous stage in a minute and we're just waiting for Michaela to um, work out how to work her phone. So, Carol, do you want to give us your intro and tell us a bit about what you do? Absolutely. So, as um, Hayley said, welcome to this week's Women in in Construction. And, Ben, I'm absolutely looking forward to hearing you speak. So, um, yeah, in terms of me, background, Carol Massey, um, 30 years um, in the construction sector, working in the construction business, and in the last 20 years, my passion for construction technology. So sold um, a software business last year during lockdown for the shareholders into the Axis Group. And I'm on a massive journey with my team to deliver technology, more technology into the construction sector. So uh, my passion is um, to eradicate the old saying that construction are the dinosaurs of technology. They're not completely not. um, They just need to be you know held have their hands held and uh, have the great technology to run their business so that's me um over to you Hayley hi sorry can you hear me now Carol perfect oh wonderful hello everybody um yeah I'm Michaela I was on The Apprentice a few years ago and I'm a woman in construction I've got several construction related companies and um my main focus at the moment is clubhouse and helping women in construction um so today's guest speaker is Ben who we'll get round to um once we've just let the room build a little bit and we're going to be talking about um ED&I and how we can improve it using recruitment and the techniques that you can um used to recruit more diversity into your businesses so i know um welcome ben do you want to do an intro yeah hi everybody um sorry if it's a bit loud um just in a prep um yeah my name is ben i am a director at multiplex construction and also a property developer Hello. You're back. Okay, I think we've got some technical difficulties with the ladies at the moment. So, thanks, Ben. Um, We've got some other um, other people coming up on the stage. Just want to see how Haley and Michaela are doing. Ladies, are we still there? Can you hear me? All right. I can hear you, Haley. Oh, sorry. I'll tell you what it is. We've just got to London because we're going to see Ben, who's just introduced himself this afternoon. We've got a meeting about women in construction doing some work so i do apologize we're just trying to do this on the move live from london <laughs> so we're very sorry um whose intro have we not done taffy do you want to give us an intro yes hi everyone my name is taffy i'm a woman in construction and i've successfully navigated um this sometimes challenging space for 18 years and i absolutely love it um, I've worked for architectural practices, contractors like Kieran Durkin, house builders like Octagon and da- uh, Barrett David Wilson, and now most importantly for myself, I am a black woman, and um, for that reason, I'm a massive advocate for women in construction, especially those of colour. Um, I guess I want to say thank you for discussing yet another great topic. Um, as we all agree, diversity and inclusion in the workplace is something that has been on the spotlight for a long time, for many, many years. Um, so when we look at statistics, especially in construction, 
is be, we can become quite cynical. So, you know, because of rooms like this, we're able to have those um, difficult conversations and steps to a better future. So thank you. That's oh, I love that tactic. Oh, sorry, Carol. <laughs> Feel right. free <laughs> to take over, please. Please, I beg. <laughs> Taffy, that's absolutely lovely. And welcome to the room. And I know you've been supporting um, Hayley and Michaela over the, the last few months um, in this room. And, you know, always good to hear your comments as well. Jess, can I hand over to you as well, just to introduce yourself? Yeah, hello. Um, I'm Jess. I am a recruiter and business owner within the construction and property industry, and I also run a podcast in the industry as well, so people can tell their stories. Um, and yeah, massively invested in the women in construction uh, topic that we talk about on a weekly basis. And uh, yeah, definitely interested in hearing what Ben's got to say today. Thank you. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, Jane, if you can just mute until I come over to you. I know you're joining for the first time. Um, what do I need to do, Carol? To the right-hand side, there's a mute button on your screen. It's a microphone. That's it, perfect. Thanks, Jane, you've done that. Great. Great. So we're just warming up the stage and quite a few people coming in. So quickly, I'll go across to uh, Julia. Hello, ladies. Good to see everyone again. I'm Julia and I'm a founder of a construction consultancy specialising in project and cost management for private and high end residential sector in London. Uh, I'm here to learn, to be fair. I've, I've got my story, as probably most of us working over 10 years on different sides across London. But yeah, I'm here to actually hear what everybody else's opinions are on the diversity and inclusion. So passing back over to you, Carol. Excellent. Thank you, Julian. Once again, we appreciate your support in these rooms every week. Cass, can you just unmic and just give us a brief introduction? Because I think as we're going along, Ben's probably getting more nervous. So let's try and get through the stage with the introductions. Sure. I'm Cass Johnson, the ethical strategist working with male entrepreneurs and SMEs to reintroduce mutual loyalty and ethical practices within the business. With over 20 years experience working in a variety of sectors, including construction, legal and energy, I have worked with the leadership team to the on the ground staff. I believe that through policies, procedures and processes, you can build a trusted internal community allowing you the freedom to step out of your business and be a daddy hero, hero you desire to be. Looking forward to the conversation. Oh, lovely, Cass. Always love you here in the room on our topics as well. So, Elliot, are you there? Would you like to unmute or are you just listening? I am. I know. Oh, I know. Brilliant. I'm support, of course. How are you doing? Good to see you all. Um, am I introducing myself? What would you like me to, What would you like from me? Just a quick intro, what you do um, and uh, what you're looking forward to about this session. This oh, week. I'm always looking forward to anything that comes out of these rooms when I can come into here. So uh, good to see you all, Michaela, Carol, Hayley, Ben, Ben, Taffy, everybody. Um, yeah, my name is Elliot Brown. I'm in London town and I do have an orange background. That rhymes, if you've never heard that before, you've been under a rock. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a, sol a master solutionist. So I am definitely the solutions guy, the visionary and uh, the creative entrepreneur. Um, I'm not an implementer. 
implementer. So uh, so that's why I've created a whole part of the business to have implementers for entrepreneurs that are the same. Uh, and that's uh, in the form of VAs, of course. So if you're looking to figure out how you can maybe use uh, maybe an outsourcing, then um, then I would love to help you uh, get your head straight by mapping it all out for you. Uh, so if there's anything I can help you with, then let me know. Otherwise, I'm here to learn from you guys as I do in every other room in Clubhouse um, and, uh, and help out and advise where I can, Carol. Fantastic, Elliot. Always great to have you in the rooms and I've been following you and stalking you as well. So love that you're here, Elliot, with the uh, orange background. And um, somebody that's very new to Clubhouse um, and that uh, I'm a very, very long relationship with her in, in over years and supporting me is a, a lady called Jane Jones. So, Jane, if you can unmic, um, you've got the party popper, which means you're a newbie. So if you can just press the unmic, just give a brief introduction to yourself. That would be fantastic. Jane. OK, we'll wait until we get back to Jane. I'll message her in the background. Elaine, do you want to unmic and give a quick introduction? And then we can then move across to our guest speaker for the week. Hi, Carol. Hi, Michaela. Haley, my besties. Great Hi, to Lynn. see you in this room. Um, yes, I'm Elaine Cunningham-Walker. I am the CEO of Good Morning Africa, which is a digital strategy agency which looks at leveraging companies in the continent of Africa and in the diaspora. Um, I'm an avid, 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 avid advocate for women in leadership. Um, and so I love this room. So anybody wants to get in touch with me, um, please feel free to back channel me. I'm done speaking. Excellent. Thanks, Elaine. Always good to have you in the rooms. And again, like most of the people on stage, you are very supportive, come into a number of rooms and I've been following the rooms as well. So just to uh, recap with the people that have just joined in the audience, thank you very, very much for joining today. This is a room that is run under the banner of Entrepreneur and Leaders. We have a number of rooms that we run during the week. Today is the Women in Construction, which is head by um, Hayley and, and Michaela. Um, they are just in a taxi at the moment, so they will be joining us shortly. But we've got a great guest speaker today to talk about how to improve EDNI within your recruitment. And I'm pleased to have our guest speaker today, Ben, who has been, you know, very much experienced and has, yeah, well, quite an insight to to this whole whole recruitment process. And uh, Ben, if you'd like to unmic, introduce yourself, and over to you. Yeah, thanks, Carol. And uh, first of all, thanks for uh, inviting me to join. Um, so just to, to give you a bit of an overview of myself, really, I suppose it's best to start uh, at the beginning. So um, my name's Ben. I'm uh, Birmingham born and bred. I uh, specialise in recruiting into the housing sector um, and have been working alongside housing associations, local authorities and charities for the last three and a half years now. Um, in terms of you know how I how I got into EDI specifically within recruitment, um, I suppose it was by accident really. So um, when I first started in recruitment in, in two thousand and nineteen, um, there were a few publications that were coming out from uh, you know inside housing around the lack of representation amongst leadership, um, you know mainly within um, gender, but also within um, within individuals from BAME backgrounds. Um, there were a number of sector leaders um, that were talking about some of the issues um, and, and sharing that information and, and talking about how 
you know, how appalling it was that, you know, organisations that are there to serve and represent communities failed to represent them. Um, so I just challenged a few people on Twitter about that, uh, messaged people privately, um, you know, what they were doing as individuals and, you know, as organisations, um, you know, to change some of that. Um, and I think that just started a, a chain of events, really. So I, I hosted an event around, um, you know, equality in housing, uh, where people came and, and shared experiences. Um, we had around 100 attendees, but I felt that, um, you know, we needed to maybe change the narrative a bit um, and maybe not focus so much on, you know, what happened in the 80s and the 90s, but, you know, utilise, you know, all the technology and the resources that we have now, but also the willingness within society to make, you know, impactful change on, on, on subjects and things that we don't necessarily feel are right. And I think it was certainly within the housing sector, it was something that people agreed just wasn't, wasn't right. Um, so following that event, I, I was part of a number of uh, roundtable discussions to, to try and become less reactive and more proactive, um, you know, to bridge that gap. Um, I was involved in a number of steering groups and best practice forums. Um, but I suppose for me, um, it was around, you know, you know, how can I influence what I, you know, what, how can I influence within my own role, um, you know, supporting some of, some of that disparity really. Um, you know, we all have a role to play as individuals. And so it was moving the conversation on. So specialising within recruitment uh, for three and a half years, it was, it seemed like the natural starting point, really. Um, so look, some of the work that I do now is around aligning myself with uh, organisations and some of my clients um, and really focus on their corporate strategy, uh, coming up with two to three year plans and forming part of a project team. Um, to focus on all aspects of the recruitment process, uh, eradicating any, any barriers within that. Um, so the, the way in which that we've done that uh, to date has been mainly around five key areas. Uh, so the first part is you know, uh, the talent attraction. Uh, so that's ensuring that all, all aspects of the first point of contact um, attract the widest pool of candidates. So from our research, we found that there were a lot of barriers within uh, job descriptions, within adverts, within social media and, and website content. Uh, so the initial step was to have a look at that. Um, I think statistically people are more inclined to apply for a role um, if they feel as though some of the language and the marketing and the visuals that they see when they go on the website um, actually reflect them as individuals. Um, so ensuring that you know, the first point, you know, you're always recruiting whether, whether you've got a live vacancy or not. People are always looking um, at your company website, the corporate information that you have, the way that you brand and market yourself. Um, and also removing some of the, the, the barriers within job descriptions. So I think statistically, females are, are less likely to apply for a, a role if they don't believe that they, um, you know, that they fit 80% of the job description, whereas within males, that's around 30%. So I think males generally will, 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 will have a look at a job description and not necessarily look for the things that they don't or can't do. It's the things that they can within that and apply. So it was making sure that with some of the organisations that I work with, we were stripping back the essentials and the desirables. And, you know, a lot of the time job descriptions are historical. Someone may have been in position for a number of years um, and the same ones used and, and circulated um, when that person leaves the post. Um, the second point was going through the application management process, so reviewing the existing processes that are in place, um, you know, when somebody does apply for a role, how is it that that shortlist is created, how is it that interviews are, are completed and, and, and done. Um, I think 
everybody has unconscious bias and there's there's no way around that i think it's just something that we all have within society but ensuring that people on interviewing panels have had unconscious bias um, training um, just to make sure that we're not hiring and and um, you know only appointing people that look like us and and we feel represent us or um, are similar to ourselves um, and understanding that maybe not everybody from from different I've got my work phone on still. Um, yeah, um, maybe not able to articulate um, how you know how to, to sort of get through a process. Um, and then the interview process itself, ensuring that there are a panel, people have been trained, um, you know, to um, you know to interview people from different backgrounds, and that they've removed their, their unconscious bias before they go through that process, and not going into anything um, or any situation or any interview with any preconceived notions around a candidate. And their, uh, and their potential experience and then uh, ensuring that the onboarding process again uh, shares the same inclusive values um, as represented and presented through the through the process to ensure that you're retaining talent so I think it's a two-pronged problem isn't it really um, trying to ensure that we have diversity on all levels it's ensuring that not only are we recruiting uh, people from diverse backgrounds but also retaining uh, people from diverse backgrounds that are already within the business as well um, and then constantly reviewing and reflecting on, um, on on the work that we've done and improving that. I think within diversity, there's never going to be an end. There's no end point. Um, it is a constant reflection. Um, you know, there's you know, data and information is always changing. Um, so making sure that we're, we're staying on top of that and feeding that back into the process where possible, really. Well, wow. Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you for sharing the insight there and what you've you've been doing. Um, sorry, Michaela, Haley, are you still around? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Carol. Oh, we sat next to each other, so forgive the echo. Um, yeah, cheers, Ben. Really insightful and some great tips as well on what we can all be doing to improve the recruitment process. Um, I was wondering, out of interest, what's What's made you get into this and what created such a passion for ed in construction? Um, it, was it that you'd noticed something or what, how's all that come about? I think because a number of the clients that I work with within my recruitment role are, are housing associations, I think the important part for me was that they are representing some of the most you know, un underserved and, and, and you know, poorest people within society really and Know, coming from you know coming from a background um, that, that I have really it was important for me to make sure that I was playing my part to help people that effectively need help within society so I think when I when I saw those figures um, for me it was important to make sure that the organizations that are there to support people are, are doing what they can um, you know and are best equipped to do that really I think there's certainly a, a, a willingness to do so and I think that's only been that's only been increased with some of the events um, socially and the campaigns that we saw last year and and continuing to see now. Um, so for me, I think it was just I, I, I couldn't sort of see something and, and not be part of of the change. Um, as I mentioned, really, I think within society over the last couple of decades, really, when something's not quite right, we've you know there are people that have come together to try and, and to, to try and fix that really. So it was just important for me to to play my part in that really. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great, Ben. Inspirational as well. And what's your opinion on um, positive discrimination, especially with you being in recruitment? People get a bit nervous about it. Um, I'll put it out there. I'm absolutely all for it. But what are you saying? Oh, it's taking more calls, eh, Ben? <laughs> Cheers, Ben. <laughs> Sorry, Michaela, I lost you there. <laughs> Hang on a second. Right. Let me log out of my work phone. For a I know, apologies. Right. Sorry, what was the question? I was saying, what's your opinion on um, positive discrimination? Is, do you encourage this within the recruitment process or are you just sitting on the fence? No, I certainly encourage it. I think it's, it's difficult because I think naturally as a recruiter, your first thought is, you know, how, how can I fill that role? But I think if we continue to have that mindset, um, then, then we're never really going to improve anything. So I think. From my perspective, it's around challenging my clients and challenging the organisations that I work with to ensure that they're aware of, of, of some of the disparities that they may have, um, you know, where they may have opportunities to recruit someone and where they can have a different thought process, really. Um, as I mentioned, the person that's just left the role might not, necess might not necessarily be the best person to take the role forward. Um, so it's around trying to challenge those organisations. And I'll be completely honest, it is difficult. I think we're operating and competing on, against other agencies and other consultants whose first thought is, you know, can I find, you know, who, who is the best person? But, you know, unless we, unless we challenge our thinking and, and challenge the clients and, you know, what they perceive to be the best person doesn't necessarily always mean that it is. Oh, yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. And I've got some questions as well, if that's all right. Um, so from you saying that you've started to learn to change the language in adverts to obviously attract and then looking towards retaining, have you seen or do you know what your figures look like from when you were recruiting without the language change and now having that? What does it look like for more diverse backgrounds actually applying or for, you know, different sexes applying for jobs? I think it depends on the organisation that we're working with, really. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think data is key. Um, so the starting point for any organisation really is to make sure that they have a way of tracking um, and monitoring this information on their ATS system um, if, they are, if, if they are having applicants apply direct, directly. Um, obviously not every person that applies for a role is going to be suitable, but in terms of suitability of candidates um, and a number of applicants, there's definitely been an increase um, you know, following some of those changes in language. And it can be the smallest thing, um, you know, it can be removing the need for a driving license um you know if if the role doesn't require somebody to actually to drive a vehicle within the job um i think one of the one of the organizations that we were working with um were based in leicester and we found that a number of um a number of females within the area and within the region um from a certain background um just didn't drive they didn't need to drive they relied on on their partners and family members to take them around so we had a barrier straight away when we didn't need to. Um, so, as I said, it's, it's, it can be the smallest things that make the biggest of impacts, really. Um, and there's a number of tools and, and there's a number of, um, you know, there's a number of organisations now that, that we've partnered with um, and that we're in constant communication with that are able to, to look at those things with us. That's brilliant. And it's good to know it's still working. So... From a retention point of view, how long do you stay in the process for? Is it you get someone in and then that's it, you're done? Or do you stick around for a while? Can you see what that looks like once they get into the business, how a successful applicant from a diverse background or a different sex is then treated? Yeah, so 
again, depending on the on the organisation, I think some are happy for us to to remain in contact. Some like contact to be cut after a, a three month period or a six month period. Um, it, it does vary really, but I think working within the sector that I do, it's quite it's quite a sticky sector. I think um, you know most people in housing uh, generally um, you know generally describe the the sector as so. You notice people moving, and you know you know when people will move, and, and you notice moves all of the time, really. Um, I think when people find an organisation that you know truly represents them, and, and they can do their best work, and then they do generally stay uh, for a number of years. So it's just ensuring that the organisation has enough in place to to retain that individual. You know what's their training and, and development program like? What are opportunities like for them to further their career? Um, because as I said, that sector really is there to, to support people. So if you if you feel like you're doing that within your role and within your organisation, there really isn't a there really there really isn't a reason really for you to move on or, or look elsewhere. Yeah, that's brilliant. I've got one more question because I know there's lots and lots of people waiting to ask questions, so I'm going to be really quick. Um, in your kind of role, then, do you come across difficult companies that you work with who actually say to you, I don't want a particular background person or I don't want female for this role? Is that quite, you know, like, does is it quite rare that you come across that or is it a regular thing? Um, I mean, I can share an example that I, that I had on a, on a process that I was involved in earlier on this year. Um, so because I work with housing associations from, from time to time, I work with organizations that are traditionally rural um, and you know, someone that was well, someone that was offered the role and, and on the final stage of interviewing um, one of the HR managers sort of openly said to myself and the managing director, do you feel like the candidate's British enough, um, you know, to fit in with, with the other executive what? members? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, I think within the housing association, generally 90 percent, I would say, or 95 percent, um, you know, I, I think are aware that they need to reflect the communities that they serve. But then there are one or two organisations that maybe, you know, work across, you know, predominantly white areas and have predominantly male boards and exec teams um, that you do need to, to do a bit more with. Um so yeah, I'd like to say that you know, you know, we're, we're there. I, I, I can't, to be honest with you. Um, but again, it's just you know, what can I do within my role? How can I challenge that? You know, how can I support in supporting the business? Um, you know, to 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 onboard this individual so that that barrier isn't there. Because you know, really, if that's a, a question that we're having, you know, within the process, it's definitely a topic of discussion that will go on for that candidate's first three to six months, and it's likely that the person you know will leave if they're ultimately made to feel uncomfortable within the business yeah mate that is just honestly you're so chilled but anyway you sound like a really just calm <laughs> man i think i would have strangled him and said like is that tight enough who even says something <laughs> like that in, in this day and age so it's just it's it, it just beggars belief like you think this can't possibly be true that somebody would allow those words to leave the mouth um but yeah it just goes to show that which is why we do what we're all doing and why you do what you do to um to try and help people um what i'm going to do is i'm going to do a quick reset ben because we've got loads of people on stage so i want to give everybody the opportunity to ask questions or to have an input around this topic um so you're in the entrepreneurs and leaders club if you tick the greenhouse at the top give it a follow then you'll get all the um good rooms the best rooms uh women in construction room sponsored by big dog and luke who is not here today but they are real advocates for women in construction so if you need anything like office wise desks furniture anything 
Britain, then um, yeah, please do go to Big Doug because um, they use their platform to sponsor us. So I'm going to open it up to everybody else. We'll just go around the room. I'll hand over to Carol and then, yeah, anybody on stage, got any questions or any input, anybody listening, raise your hand and let's have an open conversation. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Michaela. Ben, wow, what a, what a great role that you do. A um, couple of the questions that I had on the list have been raised by, by both Hayley and Michaela. But one of the things that really intrigued me, and we know all what happened, you know, last year, and there was a lot of um, visibility and, you know, protests and everything else around, around certain things. Um, how do you um, work with, with companies to avoid this being just a tick box exercise? You know, how do you, you know, and, and are there companies that you engage with that just see this? Oh, yeah, OK, Ben, let's just, yeah, let's just make sure that we, we, we're up to the relevant percentages and, yeah, we can go on our merry way and we can just continue. Yeah, I think, I think last year was, was massive, really, wasn't it? And, and knowing continues to be so. And I think in, in a lot of ways it, it supported, you know, this type of agenda, really, because it has, it has made it a, a national discussion point. I think it's it's trying to ensure that the companies that we work with and, and the ones that we align with aren't doing things that are token gestures because I think you know you see straight through that really if you speak to to employees at, at, at certain businesses they know that you know their 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 own environment and their own culture isn't inclusive um, you know they don't want to be part of it but then organisations are trying to attract people and you know putting up token black squares so I think it's it's trying to ensure that people are aware that some of the things that they're trying to embed are, are tools. They are tools to support the wider, the wider work that needs to be done. Um, so you know, to, to give you an example, I think some of the organisations that we work with um, like to use the Rooney Rule. So they believe that you know, one, in five, um, you know, one in five interviews, there should be um, somebody from, you know, from a diverse background um, that, that's interviewed. But from my perspective and, and certainly speaking to a number of candidates, what would it feel like if you, knew, you know that this organisation is trying to recruit a female and you are the sole female that's being interviewed for a, a type, you know, for a certain role? You know, am I, go, am I getting that on merit? Am I, am I getting that because of my background? Am I getting that because of where I'm from or what I look like or you know, the language that I speak or the country that I come from? So I think it's, it's making sure that that's not the solution. The tool is not the solution. All the other aspects and all the other components need to be in place as well to ensure that that's just there to support. It's a supportive measure and, and ultimately over time it's not required. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much, Ben. I'll keep my question down to one because I know that there's quite a lot of people on stage that will are desperate to ask you a question. So um, the other Ben, would you like to ask the other Ben a question? Yeah, hello, Ben. Um, my, my, I guess my question is, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that you've talked about um, in terms of uh, un unconscious bias training and, and having multiple interviewers and, and trying to select a certain number of uh, people from diverse backgrounds um, to apply for jobs and so on. You know, I know we're trying to do that, and I think a lot of organisations are trying to do it. One of the things that people often say is, um, e even if you implement all of those good practices, there just aren't enough people from diverse backgrounds coming through and applying for jobs. What's your perspective on that? And how do you think the industry can just better present itself and attract more uh, 
diverse people from diverse backgrounds into the industry in the first place yeah i think that's i think across every sector i think that's you know firstly a great question i think something that always comes up i think from my experience working with the housing sector there was never an issue with the talent pool um so i think there was always a pushback on that but i think to support to support housing associations from from ground zero one of the things that we tried to do was make sure that we were presenting the career as a career of choice and i know that you know i know that the women in construction do a great deal of work around trying to promote you know the construction industry and the roles within that to be a career of choice from my perspective there's so many different aspects now there's so many different departments um you know within an organization to run a business generally that you know that there can't possibly be a, there, there isn't a way that we can fail to have a diverse business you know most organizations that i work alongside have finance departments it departments you know management departments housing support departments there's so many different strands that actually you can't say that there aren't the, the talent pool isn't wide enough because you know we know what the population and the demo, demographic looks like i know we had a census earlier on in the year so we'll have you know new data and new information and new targets hopefully for organizations to strive to make sure that they are reflecting but you know for me the talent pool isn't an issue it's just you know how are you attracting that and as i said the attraction piece goes on you know from way beyond or way before you know you, you have a live vacancy it's what you're doing to engage with your community it's what you're doing to you know promote your organization how are you marketing how are you branding yourselves because people are always looking at organizations there's a number of organizations on linkedin that you'll see or you know on, on tv or through different forms of ad advertising that we could all say are great ambassadors for diversity and if i was looking for a role they're ones that i would go to um i think the other the other component is you know we're in a most organizations are almost at a tipping point in terms of their their talent um, we know we've got an aging workforce at you know at the senior end of most industries so what are we doing now to engage with you know people you know people from generation x generation z because they are you know they're, they're the future of work really so we know that these individuals like to have a purpose we know that they like to get behind a cause it's making sure that you know your 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 organization stands for the right things in in my in my opinion oh, yeah no good points i mean i think i think there's 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 branding for individual companies and then there's branding for the industry and <clears throat> i think lots of companies are trying to brand themselves and and, and we do and, and there's lots of marketing that you do and you're trying to present your values and, and um, articulate your values so that people see you as being a progressive company. But I do think there is a bit of an issue for the industry generally. Um, the construction industry generally does struggle to attract women and it struggles to attract people from uh, diverse ethnic backgrounds. And, and I know there's lots of people looking at trying to solve that. Um, and and in, a, in a way, it's... It, a lot of what you're talking about, the, the, the micro steps that you have to take to make sure that uh, there is equality in recruitment and that everyone's given a fair chance um, at the application stage, all of those things will help make the industry, improve the image of the industry. But yeah, uh, th thanks for your feedback today. Great, thanks. Great question, Ben. Great person. So I'll just weave around the, the stage as well. Taffy, have you got a question to follow up to Ben? Uh, yes, I do. 
Um, I just want to say, Ben, I absolutely love um, what you're doing. Um, you're pushing and supporting not only candidates, but also businesses, to be honest, to build the confidence in a diverse talent pool. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to say that. Thanks. And also one quick question um, is how... I know, how do you, where do you find um, candidates that you work with need the most support? Um, for example, is it presenting themselves? Is it the CV writing skills, interview practice? Where is it that you're finding is a common thing that comes up? I think it depends on the role and I think it depends on the level. But if I had to sort of pinpoint one area, I would say it's maybe presenting themselves. I think you can fall into a trap of how to present your CV and how to present a, a supporting statement for a role that you apply for. But every opportunity is different. And, you know, every organisation likes things done differently as well in terms of their own recruitment process. So, you know, the one bit of advice that, that I, I generally give most candidates that I work with over a period of time is to just have a master CV, just have a, you know, a, a long document that has all of your experience on and then you can extract that and, and adapt it to the, the specific organisation and role that you're applying for. And then, you know, following on from that point, it's supporting people, you know, to, to, to present themselves confidently in an interview situation uh, and environment, um, you know, to, to ultimately get that, get that role once they are being interviewed for it. That's right. great. Thank you, Ben. That's, that's really a, 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 an interesting point as well, because... You know, I've heard and known over the years that there have been candidates going for specific roles. Um, and the first thing they do, they go to the uh, the website of the company and they go to the About Us page and then they look at the leaders there. And then it's like, oh, my God, do I am I really going to fit in? And first of all, they then say, no, I'm not. I can't, don't think I can. And, and as you say, Ben, you know, trying to get, you know, actually your CV in the right format. But, yeah, I, I would agree. It's actually being able to present yourself in that you know that you can do the role um, but having that horrible imposter syndrome you know voices ticking away in your head saying what are you doing yeah definitely and I think it touches back on Ben's point as well really I think that's that's the challenge that I find in my role really it's it's challenging that job spec it's challenging that organization around what the key fundamental requirements are for that role because I think if we ever if we are ever going to bridge the gap i think we are going to need to find people with transferable skills if they're not actually working in this individual sector or industry at the at present really so you know we are going to need to flex on some points but you know what is crucial within that role what is it, what is crucial within that person's experience because from my experience like for like doesn't always work my first thought when someone's applying for a role at the same level in a different organisation is you know why are you leaving that one um, you know, unless it's relocation, nine times out of ten, it's because then they're not performing in that particular role. So, what makes you think, as a hire, that you know that individual is going to perform for you? So, it's just, as I say, it's difficult, but it's just challenging thought. Uh, agree, totally agree. Right, Elliot, Elliot, do you have a question for Ben? Elliot's probably just listening in at the moment. Elaine, shall I go to you until Elliot comes back? Have you got a question for Ben? No, not at the moment, but um, no. it's been a really good conversation, but I will jump in there. Okay. No. Hi, sorry, I heard my name mentioned. I was just literally back on the Zoom, they haven't turned up. So, um, so, so what, what can I help you with? Sorry, who, what, what, where? <laughs> 
Hello? We were saying, did you have a question for Ben Elliott? Oh, sorry, I haven't been listening to the for, for the last few minutes because I was going to be jumping on the Zoom, so I do apologise. No problem. Cass, uh, over to you. Uh, I find it very interesting, the conversation. Uh, there's so many questions, but probably tail ending on um, Michaela's about positive discrimination. Do you feel that you have to put people forward that completely fulfill the role and have all the tick all the boxes or can you put forward someone who can grow and um, be a part of the community is there a pressure there yeah i think it goes back to that sort of that direct conflict that i that i i mentioned earlier really because i think as a recruiter you know you, you're trying to you're trying to find a solution as quickly as possible and you try and understand what you think that your client wants and, and find that within 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 the network that you have really but i think from an edi perspective and you know to really transform a business and and really help this agenda it's around providing my client with every option available and um, as i said it's difficult when you're competing with other recruiters on roles but i think the best way that i've done has been when i'm working with a client exclusively and i can present all options to them Sometimes people do opt for, you know, for the outside the box or someone that doesn't have that direct experience. And as I mentioned, just you know, my from my professional experience, that's that's the candidates and the placements that I prefer, you know, I prefer to make. So it's really trying to, you know, first and foremost, gain exclusivity to have that flexibility within the process, and then present all options to, um, you know, to an organisation. I think when we're able to do a campaign together there isn't that urgency in a process. You're not necessarily competing to call the candidate first or speak to a certain individual first. You're able to go out and you know the first candidate you speak to doesn't have to be the best candidate. You can provide a long list. You can talk with the client openly. Um, you know, I have time to speak to candidates and have an initial interview with them as well and understand you know, from their perspective why they think they'd, they'd do well in the role and why they want to apply for it. Um, and then it's the client's decision, really, you know, and, and following on that process um, of ensuring that, you know, we do have a, an interview panel uh, and not just an inter not just an individual. Um, you know, the panel does need to consist of someone that works directly within that, that business area, but also a, a third party who's you know, completely impartial, doesn't maybe understand the technical aspects of the role, but can, can assess on, on, on terms of value and, and cultural fit for the business. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, yes, it does. Uh, am I allowed a follow-up question? Yeah, sure. Uh, the employers that are thinking outside of the box, are they now growing or are they still the bespoke few? I think they're growing. I think there's around 55 organizations within the midlands specifically that i that i support and work with but i would say initially when i when i got into recruitment around 2019 in terms of engaging and and having conversations with organizations around what they were doing um you know to attract diverse talent and retain it i would say that only seven or eight were forthcoming i'd say over the last two and a half years that number's doubled and i think that may be because of some of the some of the things that have gone on socially over the last 18 months um but i think that may also be that 
a lot of the organisations that are willing to have these conversations that are brave enough to, to be vocal and, and visual um, around some of the things that they're doing and, and highlighting some of the areas where they know that they're weak. Um, you know, they're, they're able to attract, you know, they're able to attract directly now. So for me as a recruiter, I suppose when I first started to get involved in, in EDI, a lot, of the, a lot of the pushback that I had from some of my directors and managers at the time was that, you know, you're, you're doing yourself out of work. I don't mind doing myself out of work, really, if I'm supporting businesses. And, you know, ultimately we're trying to make sure that these companies are able to recruit themselves. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be with me or through me, but at least we've played our part in that. And I think that's, you know, that, that comes back to, you know, how I got involved in this in the first place, really. I think, you know, it's, it's how can I play my part in it? Thank you. Great question, Cass. Great question. Thanks, Ben. Um, just going to move across. Julia, do you have a question for Ben? Uh, I do, actually. I mean, it's it's a very interesting topic, to be fair, and I don't think it, it would be complete if we wouldn't touch upon the actual wages and the wage gap. I think we're all very much aware that females in construction are still mainly devalued against the the you know male equivalent shall we say i was just wondering how do you how do you explain you know the the this element to to your clients the people you're working with how do you how do you approach that yeah it's a, it's a great question and i think we've been supported over the last few years haven't we with the with the gender pay gap so i think it's something certainly within the housing sector um that they're that they're aware of i think there's more and more organizations that are now um, you know, publicising on their websites the, the gender pay gaps within their own businesses um, and, and that's definitely supported so I think the gap is closing I'm, I'm not saying that you know, there, there isn't more work to be done but I think that's definitely been supported with you know, organisations now, now having to present those figures Cheers, Ben. Cheers, cheers, um, Julia, for asking your question. Now, Jess is all over the show, bobbing in and out. I'm sure she has a question for you with her being a fellow recruiter. Um, Jane, have you, do you know how to unmute now? It's the bottom right-hand side, the microphone button. Yeah, I think I've got oh. it. I think I've sussed it. Excellent. <laughs> Hi, Jane. Do you want to um, introduce yourself? Because you didn't get an opportunity to before. I didn't. Thank you and very then, much. Um, yeah, no problem. Okay, can you hear me Okay. Perfect, Jane. Good. Okay. So um, I'm Jane Jones and I'm a director of an HR consultancy called Be Business Fit. Um, we help businesses to be more successful through their people. And I've, my, I qualify um, in, this, in this group um, through having worked in the construction software industry for 11 years. And that's actually where I, I ended up meeting Carol, actually. Um, and that was way back in 2008. So I've been out of the construction industry since then, but it was a different world back then in terms of being quite sexist. Um, and I think, you know, although we're not there yet, that is a change in landscape. So in terms of where we are with EDI, and um, this has been a really interesting conversation, actually, because it's something that within our consultancy we're focusing on right now. And I just want to put a different angle on it because... The interesting conversation has been based on quite tactical aspects of EDI around recruitment, selection, um, people being suitable for roles, etc. 
what we're doing is we're going right back up to the top and saying um, EDI strategies and initiatives come from the top. And if they don't come from the top, they're very unlikely to sustain within a business. So we're talking to um, senior business leaders, CEOs, MDs, and making the case for EDI because unfortunately, we do still know that at that level, um, EDI seems to be perhaps something seen as a soft option, maybe a restriction on business, a bit of a distraction. And so, what we're saying is there are very, very strong business reasons why businesses should now have an EDI strategy. And that there's quite a lot of stuff out on the internet if you want to read some stuff from McKinsey or the Gallup um, reports. Um, there's, there's some really interesting papers out there. But one of the things that um, we say is that an EDI strategy is both cultural and commercial. So if you don't like the, um, the soft option and you're only looking at the commercial aspect of it, if you don't have an EDI strategy, this is increasingly becoming a limitation. Organizations are now looking to um, uh, businesses to be um, compliant with the ESG framework, which um, if you're not sure what that is, that's the environmental, social and governance framework. And it includes a wide range of um, uh, measures around how you treat your employees. It also talks about your supply chain, how you manage and use data, right through to your environmental credentials. But these are going to be the things on which um, sometimes tenders are going to be based. And if you don't meet those standards, then you may find that you are coming out of the tender list. Um, one of the things that's in the Gallup report says that if there are two companies with equal shareholder return, one, pe one makes people in the planet sick and the other makes them better, investors will pick the latter. And I was actually speaking to somebody from the financial services industry this morning who said that pension funds now are being required to look at these aspects within the companies that they invest in. So companies that don't subscribe to a, a rigorous approach towards um, diversity, equality and inclusion will find that they, they, they are, they're not being invested in. So it becomes a real commercial um, limitation. And I think, you know, if that makes the case at the senior level, then it's so much easier to deploy that through within an organisation. A DNI strategy is not an HR initiative. It's a business initiative. And although the HR team will usually be, as Ben has been describing through the recruitment process, um, HR will be involved in that. What they can't do is to make that strategy. It has to come from the top and it has to be about involving boards, CEOs, investors, MDs, senior teams in those conversations. And just finally, just just one more thing about uh, we've been talking quite a lot about the diversity aspect of DNI, but inclusion um, is is even broader, I think, because when we look at inclusion after the pandemic, you know, we're now looking at being able to be uh, flexible in where we work. We may want to be flexible about the hours that we want to work. We have family responsibilities. We have all sorts of other things going on and inclusivity um, for an employer that offers that flexibility will definitely be seen as an employer of choice. 
So again, Ben, coming back to you with your with your your um, uh, search for talent, you know the 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 employers who can offer those flexible approaches to working will find that they will become the employers of choice. Sorry, I went on a bit long then, but I get a bit passionate. Not at all, Jane. No, not at all. And as a, as a newbie to the app, and you've got managed to to come on up, up on stage in a, a room that is really about your topic. I'm really, really pleased that we managed to hear your view on this. Um, Michaela. Yeah, I think um, Haley's got one final question for you, Ben. So, yeah, thanks, Jim, for that. It was really insightful. And I know Carol will be speaking to you on the back channel as well. Um, so, Haley, fire away with your last question. Yeah. Yes, I want to know about some language tips for adverts. So, you said you've changed language. Can you give us examples of keywords that would normally be used and what you've switched them out for and for what reasons? So we can all take something from today, please, Ben. Ben? Hello? Sorry, I didn't realise I was <laughs> muted then. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God, he's left already. He's, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So, um, yeah, some of the things that we've, we've changed in, in language, in various... So let me have a look because I have a trusted document in front of me. Uh, so initially we'd analyze um, the, the keywords on the, on the job description. As I mentioned, we'd go through the, the desirables and the essentials. Um, in terms of improving the language on there, it's taken out some of the wishes really. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, if you don't need to drive, you're probably gonna have a wider talent pool to go at. Um, if, you've, if you've got, um, you know, if, you, if you're taking that aspect out, um, as, as Jane mentioned there, um, some of the things around agility and um, you know agility in the role and, and working patterns. If somebody doesn't need to be in the office from nine to five, do we need to really be putting that on the job description? Can we just put down the number of hours as opposed to um, you know the, the traditional the traditional working hours that, that we had around sort of a couple of, well two years ago? Um, but I can circulate some of the some of the um, you know some of the resources and, and the tools that we've created to support other businesses um, after the event if that helps. Um, and I'm always available to um, you know have a chat with anybody if you want me to have a look at job descriptions. Um, then yeah, just give me a shout. Yeah, absolutely, that'd be great. We um, we've got a kind of women in construction podcasting coming through now. We're doing a lot on LinkedIn as well, so we could probably put the stuff you send us in there, and so people can find it always after the event as well which would be amazing Ben and you've been wonderful today I'm so sorry we've been scatty um no, it's, it's been a really stressful you. morning I've had to run today and I don't normally run I had to run for a train and I've been traumatized ever since so <laughs> that's why I am the way I am today um but yeah thank you so much and a massive massive thank you to Carol as well you're an absolute angel and you're so good at moderating as well Carol forever grateful for you Oh, bless you guys. Learn from the best. The best is there. <laughs> Haley and Michaela. Yeah. Carol, you're just so calm in comparison to us. Though. I'm just like a hyperactive puppy and Carol's very like, go on, Ben, next question. You're saying like really sensual and got your stuff together and I'm just like, hi, guys. <laughs> I'm going to stop Michaela talking now because it's time to wrap up. Um, but huge thanks again to Big Dog, um, our sponsor. Everything you need. I know that Michaela said that it was um, desks and things like that, but they do everything. 32,000 products. Go and check them out. Luke's an absolute diamond as well. 
you've all been lovely. So if everyone's done, I think that's a good time to go. Yeah, just one last thing. We, we have turned this into a podcast as well. So if you there's anything else that you want to listen to or you want to hear our lovely voices again, then we have turned it into a podcast and I'll post it this week in the Women in Construction group on LinkedIn and in the Entrepreneurs and Leaders one. Uh, and there'll be some social media posts around it, around the tips that Ben gave us as well. So yeah, make sure um, yeah, make sure the people who are moderators on the panel, if you um, connect with them on LinkedIn, then you'll be able to see all those posts as well. And yeah, just thank you, everybody. Thanks, Ben, so much for coming along and, and sharing that with us and um, everybody who's been listening. <laughs>